It's April 22nd, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, we're going to have Steve Arbach from the University of Hawaii Office of Innovation and Commercialization, who joins us to talk about a new economic sectors webinar. And of course, then we will be joined by Tim Cottrell from Iolani School and Rodrigo Romo from Pisces to talk about helping to meet the demand for PPE. Of course, uh, first I want to let you know that thanks to HTDC, the Hawaii Technology Development Corporation, Eric Heenan, he's the president of Alaka'i Executive Search, will hold this uh, complimentary webinar on strategies to make your LinkedIn profile stand out and get noticed by recruiters and hiring managers. Whether you are a seasoned executive, mid-career professional, or recent graduate, a solid LinkedIn profile helps you to make a great first impression. And that will also aid you in your job search in this competitive uh, climate. Of course, you need to register by Monday, April 27th, uh, by 12 p.m. And, of course, after registration closed, they will send you a Zoom link. So be sure you register. The event is going to take place on Tuesday, April 28th from 2 to 3. So I'll put that uh, link up on our show notes for later on tonight, and then you can go and check that out. Now I'd like to welcome Steve Arbach. He's the Director of the Office of Innovation and Commercialization over at the University of Hawaii, and he joins us to tell us about a webinar coming up to create a new economic, various new economic sectors in Hawaii. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thanks, Bert, for having me. Appreciate it. Well, you know, Steve and I, we go back a long ways when uh, he was a head of PCAT over at at, uh, Honolulu Community College, and and in this new capacity, uh, I'm excited for you. And so, you know, this uh, this webinar, I'm sure you were sitting in your office thinking, wow, what can I do to help uh, move uh, move the economy along? Because I know we're going to come into some big challenges uh, in the very, very near future. Uh, so what, what do you have in, in, uh, in mind with this, uh, with this webinar? Yeah, you know, and, um, if you go back to uh, the Great Depression and you think about how the, uh, the U.S. was struggling, a lot of innovation was born out of the, those days, right? And if you think back to the 1930s, that's in fact the jet engine, helicopter. And a lot of people don't know it, but canned beer was actually invented coming out of the Great Depression. And within the University of Hawaii system, across the 10 campuses, there's meaningful innovation, whether it's value-added products, whether it's consumer packaged goods, or whether it's world-class scientific and technology research. And you know, we got to thinking the team around how do we uh, bring those assets together and stimulate uh, what I like to term, you know, the development and nurturing of new economic sectors in Hawaii. And so specifically what we're uh, excited to announce is we're bringing together three affiliated accelerator programs, mm-hmm. and we're going to launch a webinar, two actually sessions, uh, one next week and then one in May to really drive a little more awareness and understanding and engagement around accelerators. So are the two uh, dates, are they just uh, repeating the dupli- duplicative dates? Yes. Uh, and uh, the first one is uh, April 28th, uh, and then the next one is May 27th. And both sessions are from 12 to 1.30, so 90 minutes. Uh, but it'll be the same content, correct? And and who are the uh, affiliated accelerators that you're talking about? Yeah, good good question. So uh, Purple Prize has stood up a new um, uh, asset called New Futures, mm-hmm. 
their one uh, feature. And then we also have Hatch out of uh, Nelha and, and the Aquaculture Accelerator, and then UH Ventures Accelerator. So the three are coming together one session, talking about the, their programs and, and then how to register and get ready for the fall cohort that's coming up. So <clears throat> this is a, a virtual event. So everybody will be uh, maybe given some time over the course of that hour and a half to to talk about their programs and, and kind of do uh, uh, an in- introductory, I guess, uh, webinar for people that are interested. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think the, the key outcome there is a better understanding of the learning outcomes of the accelerator programs, what's unique about each of them certainly have different verticals. Uh, you know, the target audience are students, faculty, staff, as well as alumni, and coming together as teams to learn about, uh, you know, incubators and accelerators and what's unique. And, you know, the thing that's key about this, Bert, that I'm strong and, and very passionate about here in the community, each of these accelerators, albeit University of Hawaii, they can be on or off ramps to and from uh, our programs to Blue Startups, Mana mm-hmm. Up, Elemental Accelerator, Hawaii Investment Ready, right, the other accelerators, and how do we as a community come together? We're kind of taking the first step of bringing the UH assets together and and talking about the accelerators in the fall. Now, in terms of, uh, I know you just mentioned who can participate, but what is is the requirement? Do they have to have some affiliation with the university system? Yes, and then, then, you know, uh, uh, in addition to that is some idea, right? Mm -hmm. And what better time, if we got 37% of our community is unemployed, there's got to be ideas out there. People have been sitting on the side thinking about some idea or innovation. It could be a new product, a new service, a new business process operation, a new workflow, uh, a new way to you know uh, develop services for uh, existing companies. And so a combination of uh, players coming together to develop a team and then uh, attend the accelerator. Uh, that sounds great. So, Steve, uh, I know the first one is coming up next week, Tuesday, the 28th. Uh, where can I send people to sign up? I'll go ahead and send you a link. But uh, the best way to find this, we're out on Eventbrite. It's live now. Mm-hmm. And if they search University of Hawaii Startup Accelerator, they'll find the place to register. And you can register for one or both. Again, it's April 28th from noon to 1.30 and then May 27th from noon to 1.30. Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes for later on so that people can uh, register. Thanks, Steve, for joining us. Oh, hey, thanks, Bert. And, hey, a little birdie told me that uh, you're celebrating 11 years uh, hosting Bite Marks. So thanks for all you do. It's a great show. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Steve. Of course, right now we will take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Tim Cottrell and Rodrigo Romo by phone. We'll talk about the uh, firing up their 3D printers to help fill the demand for PPE. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Sometimes you need a break from the chaos of the world, or maybe you just want something melodious to accompany you at work. Either way, we have just the thing. HPR2, your home for classical music, is the state's only dedicated classical music station. Just like HPR1, it's non-commercial, expertly curated, and community-supported. It offers an oasis of classical music 24-7. To learn more, head to our website or ask your smart speaker to play KIPO. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I am happy to welcome Kim 
uh, Tim Cottrell and Rodrigo Romo to the show. Tim is the head of school over at Elani School, and Rodrigo is the program manager over at the Pacific International Space Center for Exploration or Exploration Systems. And of course, I uh, want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks, Bert. Great ha- being here. Well, so let's start off a little bit with uh, uh, Rodrigo. You know, with uh, with Pisces. Uh, that's the short. That's short. That's a short for you know the whole uh, Pacific International. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do, real quick. So we are we are a state agency. We are under DBIT, the Department of Business, Economic Development, and Tourism. And our primary goal is to promote the aerospace industry in the state and to uh, uh, promote economic development. We do that through uh, applied research in space exploration. Uh, workforce development, and long-term economic development. That is, in a nutshell, what we do. So we, we, are, we do a lot of, of research uh, related to space exploration. Very good. And, and Tim, you know, I, I, I'm very familiar with the uh, Innovation Center and the whole makerspace that you have there. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the um, I guess, the capability that you have over there at the, at the Innovation Center. Yeah. Hey, hi, Bert. Thank you. I think it was seven or eight years ago when you had me on when we opened the Sullivan Center. Um, <laughs> that long? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So we have about 25 3D printers, um, and we have three laser cutters, and we have a water jet table. So we have a pretty extensive fabrication uh, capacity in the building, and then we have a whole department of engineers and scientists who um, tackle these kinds of problems all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, now <clears throat> for both of you, you know, uh, and and uh, Rodrigo. I mean, I've I've I'm familiar with Pisces, but I I didn't realize that you have access to a whole makerspace. I mean, what 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 do you have at your disposal? Uh, well, yes, as, as you can imagine, being involved with research, uh, we we have the need to do a lot of manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, test different materials. So in in our in our workshop, we have just a very basic uh, workshop, but we also have access the Institute for Astronomy's uh, full workshop and machine shop. And we have, uh, on our own, we have two 3D printers that we use to print models and prototypes uh, for different parts that we use in, in our rover or in other uh, projects. Oh, great. Okay. Now, now Tim, um, you have this capability. Uh, we're all in this crisis. There's a realization that the, there's a supply chain problem. And and what is it that went through your mind in terms of, you know, how can you and Iolani and the resources that you have can be brought to perhaps solve that problem? Um, yeah, so we were, a little more than a month ago, we were contacted by one of the local healthcare agencies that's doing some 3D printing on their own, mm-hmm. and they asked if we could help them use our 3D printers. So we took their design, and I think we printed about 100 or, or so of the design they had, and my team got really interested in the issue, right, and came up with a number of different designs. And we were looking at how can we produce things really quickly, um, ease of sanitization, those kinds of things. And so I sent an email out to Iolani parents. We didn't really understand the demand. Uh, sent the email out. Within a day, we had requests for thousands, right? Wow. And this came from all the major um, hospital chains to individual physicians, dentists, uh, just across the board, first responders um, who really had the need. And, you know, in, in the um, market out there right now, it's really difficult to procure this kind of PPE. So, so Tim, describe what was it that you actually got the design to build? 
So it was a what you 3D print is the headband piece, mm-hmm. right? And so um, we got a design from somebody, and they asked us, and I think it took about six hours to print one of them. So our engineers looked at that, and, and we did the numbers, right, and thought we're going to have to do thousands of these. So they came up with a design where they can print three simultaneously using one printer in one hour. And so we can run about 75 of those headbands on 3D printers an hour. And we also knew that we're going to have a materials problem in that everybody's ordering filament for 3D printers, and we'd probably run into a supply chain problem ourselves. So we came up with a different model that we use a laser cutter on, and we cut it out of ethylene vinyl acetate. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, so we make two different models, and we make them simultaneously. And at this point, I think we've distributed close to 9,000 face shields. I was just going to ask you that. So the headband is is really to help uh, build out the, the the face shield and the and the the shield that's in front. I mean, that's a, that's some of the material that you had to cut out. Yeah. So we we had to procure that, and it was again, it was how how can we find materials that we use? So on the one model, the EVA, we use clear binder covers that we got from a local printing company, right? Mm-hmm. Professional Image, and we cut those the rounded edges off those, and then. Um, insert those into the face, into the headband part. And for the 3D printed ones, we use uh, legal size laminate sheets that we ordered off Amazon. So we, it's like a little factory. We run them through the laminator, cut them, uh, then run them through a laser cutter to punch holes in them, and then they snap on to this 3D printed headband. So I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, the the face shields, uh, these were really, uh, I guess, in, in high demand i mean i we know we we all know about the masks right and and everybody wearing the mask but for the for the uh healthcare worker in particular i think uh, the the face shield is a, a real key piece of ppe is that correct i think it is yeah i mean it, you know of course it's protecting you from anything that's kind of aspirated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on in front of you i think it also keeps you from touching your face Right. Things like that. So the combination of a good like N95 mask or a surgical mask and a face shield, I think, is what people feel most protected wearing. Now, Rodrigo, uh, in, in your guys' case, I mean, what was it that you got the design for or maybe created the design? What did you build? Uh, well, we, we have several projects. And the way our group came together is, is kind of curious because you, you got to consider that the Big Island, especially the Hilo to Waimea corridor, mm-hmm. it's a unique uh, community uh, where we have a lot of the, the uh, observatory people from, from Mauna Kea. Uh, so it's a small community, tight-knit. Uh, we all, we, everybody knows everybody. So, you know, word starts spreading out about certain shortages that were going to be taking place with um, healthcare providers and first responders. And just the community start talking to each other, and that's how we, we ended up forming. There's two groups that, that are, are formed right now, uh, probably more, but the one we're working with in Hilo, it's called the, the Hawaii STEM, Hawaii STEM, um, Hawaii STEM Community Care, and there's another one in Waimea called the Big Island Coronavirus Response Initiative. Mm. So we started looking at what type of, of equipment was in short supply, uh, through direct contact, like a member of, of our of our high STEM community care uh, group is a firefighter captain from the Honoka'a station. So he knew from experience that facials were in short supply. He knew that uh, one of the main concerns that people who wear um, surgical type masks all day, the one that hold themselves in place uh, by the elastic behind your ear, mm-hmm. one of the problems they have is 
from wearing the, the mask all day long is irritation behind the ears. Uh, it's just uncomfortable. And so there is there was a design for a mask strap uh, stress relief holder that basically allows people to hold the mask, take the stress from the elastic away from the ears, and hold it onto that strap. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that's the project that, that we took lead on, and we've been printing. We have delivered uh, over a thousand mask straps to healthcare providers um, and first responders here on, on, on the Hilo and Kona side. Those are all being 3D printed. Uh, the other project we are involved with is uh, face shields. And different from, from, from what uh, Iolani guys are doing is we're not 3D printing them because we don't have access to that many 3D printers. And as, as uh, Tim mentioned, it, it, it is a slow process. However, um, Christian Wong, the, cap, the fire fighter captain I was telling you about, found out that the fire departments have these old model head chalk blocks that are not no longer being used anymore uh, because they've been replaced by a newer piece of technology. And out of these blocks, foam blocks, uh, you can make the, the face shield, the strap for the face shield. Mm-hmm. So we've been using existing supplies that are being kept by the fire department. They're donating them, and we're converting them into face shields. Oh. And the other project we're lo- working on, it's um, UV sterilizers for N95 masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not we're not at the point yet where the N95 masks need to be uh, sterilized to be reused, but we're looking ahead and in case we get to that point, uh, first responders and nurses they want to know if it's possible to sterilize those masks to be able to extend their life and be able to re- reutilize them several times. So based on a design from a firefighter captain in Colorado, uh, we built a UV sterilizer, and we built the first prototype, and it's currently being tested by the University of Hawaii in Hilo uh, by the um, microbiology department. And once we get the test results back uh, on its efficiency for, for biological control, then the idea is to start building those chambers for every uh, fire department station on the, on the big island. Wow, so so uh, Rodrigo, I mean, you are really kind of branching out into a variety of different kinds of uh, devices and and support equipment to su- you know support some of these first responders. Yeah, so so that that and that's been one of the challenges because you know we have such a uh, one of our, our strongest assets is intellectual potential. I mean, we have as, as I mentioned, right now all the telescopes are closed down, so you have. Mm-hmm. All these scientists sitting down thinking, how, how can we help to make things? Mm-hmm. So ideas are coming out by the dozen. So the, the key has been to try to find out what items are in high demand right now and in short supply so we can focus on those. I get it. Okay. And so so that, that has been the main purpose. And the way we have been able to, to achieve success with that is we assign project leaders for each one of those different products, and each project leader takes care of, of uh, scheduling production, delivery, taking orders. For instance, I am in charge of the face mask straps. Um, Doug Simons from the Canada-France Hawaii Telescope is leading the UV uh, sterilizer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Wong from the Hawaii Science Technology Museum and Fire Department, he's leading the uh, face shield project. So by assigning... Um, 
product team leaders. That way we can focus and concentrate on, on how to maximize our resources to meet the demands of the community. Very, very, very good. That sounds that sounds great. Now, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Tim Cottrell. He's the head of school over at Iolani School and Rodrigo Romo from Pisces. And, of course, we're taking we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, sort of energizing and activating the maker community to support uh, creating uh, PPE for the first responders. Now, Tim, you know, in, in, in your guys' case, I mean, you guys have uh, a pretty good assortment of, of 3D printers and 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 a variety of different devices and and you can you can really kind of scale because as you just mentioned earlier i mean you're pumping out thousands of these now like in in rodrigo's case you know they are diverging into a number of different sort of priority projects i mean uh, so in in your guys case is it pretty much uh, a, a high production kind of uh, um, operation right now or do you see kind of uh, other priorities or other divergent uh, let's say products being created yeah. What, so, um, I mean, the face shield project is being driven by demand. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, we've, we've distributed about 9,000. We have 4,000 outstanding requests still. Um, but we've also made other things uh, using our laser cutter and some different things. I mean, our uh, laser water jet and mm-hmm. some other things. We've made about 40 intubation boxes for hospitals. So these are the large plexiglass boxes that go over a patient to protect the, the doctors when they're intubating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've done that. And we've looked into some other projects as well, right, you know, as, as a different kinds of PPE also um, that and might might become necessary. I'm curious, uh, is, uh, is the work that you folks are doing just sort of pro bono? I mean, you're just supporting the community uh, with, with whatever you can generate? Yeah, we're just trying to help. Uh, you know, and, and the Elani community itself has been really generous in terms of uh, donating money to the school to, mm-hmm. to fund this, and then we simply donate whatever we make out to the different organizations, the hospitals and first responders and physicians, all, all those folks. Now, in, in terms of, uh, um, you know, prioritizing the, the amount of, of uh, equipment you produce, there are other makers out there that are also producing some of the, the PPE are, 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 how do you folks uh, sort of coordinate between other, uh, let's say, community efforts to manufacture uh, these these uh, face shields? Is there is there a, sort of a stumbling over each other, or how do you coordinate? You know, which which uh, products go to which, let's say, hospitals or clinics? Uh, I think there's such a lack of PPE that there isn't a lot. Of, there aren't a lot of collisions. Mm-hmm. It, um, and then at each of those organizations, we're, we're ta- they're talking to us and other people. So, you know, we have points of contact at, at the hospitals and things like that that we work with um, and we gauge their requests. But, you know, for somebody like uh, this week on Monday, we uh, delivered 1,000 to the police department, uh-huh. right? So uh, we're blessed to be able to produce on that scale. Right. So, you know, I, I think for those really large uh, production runs, um, we're able to do that. Now, uh, Rodrigo, you're you're on a big island and you're primarily in the in the Hilo area. Uh, are your are your efforts really focused around just the community, or, you know, f- relatively near to you? And what's what's happening, let's say, in the Kona area or um, I'm, I'm not sure if, if you're keeping uh, uh, tabs on what's happening on Maui or anywhere else, but. Is it pretty much a localized effort? It, yes, uh, but uh, 
but we, we, we do have, like I say, the, one of the groups we're working with is based in, in Waimea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in Hilo, so we got the Hilo-Waimea corridor pretty well covered. Uh, with some of the groups that we work with, for instance, the Hilo Medical Center, they have facilities in Kona, too. So they, they contact us directly requesting parts for the Kona uh, area. Uh, some of the clinics that we work with, some of the uh, community service providers, they have operations in Kona. So their office in Hilo will contact us and say, hey, you know, can you provide us with 300 straps? We need 200 for Hilo, 100 for Kona. So we are, right now, we are completely uh, covering uh, from Hilo to Waimea to Kona, uh, but just on the big island. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds good. I know I know there's probably a lot of uh, other uh, makers out there uh, creating creating uh, uh, devices and getting it to their relative uh, local local uh, communities and local needs. Um, so, like uh, Tim, I mean, you know, you've you guys are cranking it out. You guys are uh, you know got a got a uh, scalable system going over there. I mean, how long do you think this is gonna go on? I mean, have you? Is it is it something that could be sustained over a, a fairly long period of time? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we're we're also shipping to other places. So we've got a couple faculty members who are on Maui. Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. fabricated and assembled about fifteen hundred face shields that have gone to Maui, Lanai, and Molokai. We've sent about five hundred to L.A., San Francisco, and New York City. Um, so for us, you know, th- there will be a point where the community is probably pretty well equipped, right, with face shields. Right. You know, yeah. and in, so if we make 4,000 more, right, and then people are in, and our curve is kind of leveling leveling out or leveling down. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we plan to do is simply um, fabricate the parts for all the materials we have left because we've run into the supply side problem, right? You just can't buy the raw materials to make these things right now. So we'll fabricate, and that'll probably give us an inventory of two or 3,000, and we'll keep that on hand for, you know, in, in, in the event that, you know, in another month, two, three, four, whatever, uh, there's another demand that, that churns up and we'll be able to supply some more at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, Rodrigo, you know, you've mentioned that the, the Pisces is, is always kind of in that research and, and development mode. And, and this exercise, uh, well, it's actually more than an exercise, it's actually delivering a product. Uh, have you learned? Are there some lessons learned? I mean, in terms of manufacturing, and is, could could manufacturing become something that uh, you know is a is a more um, let's say industry in Hawaii? Um, I think so, Bert. I mean, one, one of the projects that we were involved with um, in the last couple of years, along with HTDC, actually, uh, was the creation of a an, an innovative manufacturing center here in Hilo. And what we're going through right now uh, certainly highlights uh, the importance of having a makery or, or a facility of that type in the Hilo area, which we don't have. So, yeah, this, this strongly validates the need for a facility like that and, and has proven a, a perfect example as to why it would be important to have one. No, that's great. And, and for... For both uh, you and and Tim, I mean, you guys are great. You know, really serving a, an excellent need in the community, and and I would like to you know just applaud your efforts and and hope that uh, you know we get all you know we get out of this okay. And and but uh, I I again applaud your efforts to keep keep uh, supplying the need and fulfilling the need that's uh, uh, happening out there and and uh, bringing your expertise to the table. 
Tim Cottrell is the head of school at Iolani School. And, of course, uh, Rodrigo Romo is the program manager over at Pisces. And I want to thank you both for joining us today. Bert, thank you. Your show is fantastic. Happy thank to be you, on. Thank you, Bert. Really enjoyed um, being here. Thank you. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about the tech behind contact tracing. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday. Uh, or anytime via the HBR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, stay safe, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Oh,